Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of the Pluscast, uh, the Broadway Plus podcast where we bring your favourite stars to your headphones, to your YouTubes, we love it. My name is Taylor, I'm your host today and I have the amazing, incredible, show-stopping, brilliant and talented Orfe with me today. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm what time is good. it? What's happening? What's going it's... on? What are you doing? <laughs> It's 11.10 p.m. Oh, all right. here okay. in the sunny United Kingdom. Where are you? Beautiful. What time is I'm, it? I'm in the, the evening hours, the early eve of uh, New York City. And as the time will be changing again this weekend, soon it will be dark at three in the afternoon. What's going on? What are we We're just talking gonna do about today? A little podcast. We're going to talk about a bit, right. bit about Broadway. We'll talk about Legally Blonde. So we will get started. So I want you to just like kind of briefly talk us through like auditioning for and getting Legally Blonde, rehearsing and originating the role of Paulette. What was that like? How did it come about? It was a six and a half week audition process. Michael Rupert and I were the two last people hired for the show, and we basically showed up a day after we were hired to the first rehearsal. Uh, I never did any of the workshops. I never did any of the readings. I was never involved in anything until the very first rehearsal. And uh, no one was all that thrilled to see me, which was the first and only time that's ever happened. And it was a six and a half week on again, off again audition process. Um, it was like its own workshop. Um, between myself and the creative team repeatedly. There was a point in time where the casting director called and said, I'm sorry, it's not going any further, um, which was not correct. And I had the nerve to call Jerry and be like, I thought this was gonna happen. I've been auditioning for you know 17 years for this role. And he said, that's not what I said. So Jerry came to my rescue and uh, he's kind of been my champion ever since. And uh, that's the long and the short of it. The rehearsal phase was pretty by the book. I think the lengthy part of the whole thing was the out of town in San Francisco. That felt endless. I feel like I'm actually still there doing the out of town at the uh, Golden Gate Theater. Um, and then the run on Broadway was, was wonderful. And the MTV pink carpet filming for MTV was a precedent setting event that we don't get any of the credit for. Uh, but other than that, I would say the hardest part was the six and a half uh, week audition process to get Paulette. So you spoke <laughs> about uh, the MTV filming. What was that like? And how does it feel to have that kind of cemented on YouTube and on film, your work as Paulette? You know, I'm very happy about that. I think that as you and I have discussed off uh, podcasting camera, you know, Legally Blonde became, you know, so iconic and it be became like a thing at the beginning of the pandemic. All of the people who didn't actually get to see it live really found us and discovered us because of the MTV taping, because of the, you know, uh, quality of that taping that happens to live on YouTube. It is unfortunate. And I get, I get all the comments. I get all of it. It is not my fault that it is not on DVD. <laughs> if it were up to me, not only would it be on DVD, it would be a Netflix special. It would be on every, you know, so often. It would live forever. But I am very, very happy, as I'm sure many people in the cast are, 
that it exists in the way that it exists. You know, it's unfortunate, again, that, you know, there have been other shows that have come along since that have done that. I don't think people realize that we did that first and that we did it to great effect and great, you know, all the, as professional as you could possibly get it. And, you know, MTV at that time was still the MTV that we grew up with, you know, it's still, it was still a music channel and, you know, it was a big deal. And it, I'm just happy and thrilled that a whole new fan base came upon it because of that recording, because of that filming. And it's, it's as good as it gets. You know what I'm saying? I don't know that, you know, it would be any better today doing it. Possibly it might be for the, you know, for the streaming services that it might lend itself to at, in, at this point in time. But at the time, it was as good as it gets. So I'm proud yeah. of it. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant production and it really shows like the heart and soul of Legally Blonde and all the work you guys put into it. What was it like, uh, you know, getting to film a little bit of uh, The Search for Elle Woods? And did you like, did you watch it? Do you, you, know, do you remember I, I, much about it? I, I do remember a lot about it. I do remember a lot of the, the uh, contestants. Uh, I remember when my dearly departed heart, my boo, was on one of the episodes who is, you know, in heaven now. So I, I love that he has a moment on that. So if I, you know, need to catch him on that or say yes to the dress, which people still don't realize uh, we were the first person to do a wedding for charity with dogs, you know? Uh, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't frivolous. And now so many people have done that as well. So yeah, OG, hi, OG. Um, but yeah, I do remember, and I do remember being a prize I was like the prize to go and get manis and petties with a couple of uh, the contestants. Um, I don't know who's more embarrassed about it because I'm not, but they don't even admit it and they don't bring it up and they completely disavow me. And I'm like, hey kids, you know, not really the, not the really good look for you. It happened. It's on TV. It's on YouTube. It happened. Well, the, the whole not of the, the By the way, not the worst bet. thing. No, not the worst thing to go get manis and petties with me. But I remember one person that they uh, had the camera on after the fact was like, ugh, <laughs> like big deal, a contestant. You get to hang out with Orfe. Um, life could be worse. Could be oh a worse God. day in your life than to go get manis and petties with me. Get over it. What was your general musical theater training and background like before heading off into the industry? This is going to really upset everybody. Zero. Zero. Absolutely nada. I will tell you what prepared me for musical theater. You know, I started in the music business. Uh, I had a record deal, very young, straight out of high school. Um, and I got to, thankfully, I had a top 40 hit. I had a number one dance club hit. Uh, we were, you know, uh, we opened up for a very, very, very big group at the time. We were their opening act and they were multi-platinum. I think they had sold 7 million uh, CDs at the time, their records were like one number one hit after the other. So we got to open up for them. Therefore, we had their audiences. So we're talking a small audience on any given night was 8,000 people. So that did prepare me for the audience, the live experience. It totally knocked any nerves out of me to, you know, for me to go from, again, a small audience on any given night was 8,000 people. So to go and play for 1,200, 2,000, 2,200 tops, you go, you know, people would always be like, how are you so calm? How is this so, you know, not, first of all, I am not a very nervous person to begin with, and I don't have the stage fright gene. And um, 
you know, I get the butterflies and I get the excitement, but performing live all over the world for, you know, sometimes multiple times a day really honed my chops to be able to do that, to be able to deal with the rigors of, of live performance and maintaining your vote, you know, your voice for multiple performances a night. And we would, you know, there wasn't like you didn't come out for a number and go out, you know, go backstage or come out, do some dialogue. You're doing a whole concert sometimes more than again, one time a day. And it was, it was rigorous. So I think that physically the music business got me prepped to do live shows on Broadway, but I did not go to school for musical theater. I did not train to be in musical theater. I wasn't a musical theater kid, uh, but I was lucky enough that, that what I did do for a living inadvertently unbeknownst to me prepared me very well for the genre I wound up spending a great deal of time in. Yeah I was speaking to Ellie about this last week as well and she said pretty much the exact same thing like I think a really important thing is kind of like drama school can prepare you for the industry to a certain extent but nothing can prepare you as much as actually doing it and nope. the best training is going out and doing it so obviously what Absolutely. you've done is get Absolutely. that stamina and get that experience doing shows and you know, have, especially what you said about the stage fright because I feel like that's such a big thing in our industry like being nervous about going on stage and seeing people which is silly because we're performers <laughs> but there is a nervous quote that is good for you because it keeps you on your toes and it gets your adrenaline to a place the where adrenaline, you know, yeah. you're 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 in the moment you're actively in the moment now, by the way to be clear I, I studied acting for four years but straight acting not bursting into songs, musical theater acting. So, you know, it was very method, Stanislavski, Lee Strasberg. We did very heavy duty, you know, acting, acting. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, but I, I had no musical theater training whatsoever. Uh, so oddly wound up in musical theater. <laughs> Haven't yet done a play. So uh, it's, you know, it was meant I think to now be. they're scared. They're scared. All this musical theater actress can't do a straight play and just kind of like you know not burst into song so you know but you know it is there is there is something and i i feel awful when people are really really nervous where you can just you can palpably feel how nervous they are and i wish i wish i could say this is what you do this is what you do but it's like you know it's like anything you either have that it's like you're either afraid to fly or you're not you can't teach someone to not be afraid to fly you either are or you're not you know what I'm saying? So I do empathize and I, I can only help and I can only calm people down and I can soothe them or be like the voice of calm in the storm. We always say this, you and I, but it's like trial by fire. You don't have yeah. a choice. Yeah. You can't yeah. run off the stage when they're yeah. paying you to open up for an act that has 7 million CDs sold. You better not blow it. You know what I mean? Because there's 50 acts waiting behind you to have that opening act yeah. slot. You know what I mean? So we had to kind of really be really be on our toes and do the best we could because there was a long tour and, and if if we were good they kept bringing us along yeah. with them you know have you got any funny on-stage mishap stories you know we've talked listen we've talked about when when chloe aka rufus threw up on stage in san francisco during an early preview and how andy had to like kind of clean it up with the sock with the uh with the squirrel toy that we would lure chloe out with um, and we ad-libbed and the audience was hysterical. Like the audience could not stop laughing because, you know, you're like, this is live theater, kids. This is what happens. And the dogs, you know, bulldogs apparently unbeknownst to us at the time, when they get very, very excited and happy, they puke. 
So who knew? So um, Chloe was just really excited. But another time in Legally Blonde, one of our dear, dear actors, he, uh, Jody, he, uh, <laughs> he drew the, the uh, golf cart into the audience. He lost control of the no. golf cart and he drove it into pretty much uh, stage left of the front few seats, like the few rows. And the audience helped the cart get back up onto the stage. This is all happening behind, my, behind me when uh, Kyle comes and says, uh, Paulette, I've got a package. And, you know, she throws the box behind her. And, you know, um, so we had to wait and hold and hold. And he comes out and says, what's going on? And I literally said, I have no freaking idea. And the audience once again erupted into wild, insane laughter. Thankfully, of course, it's funny because nobody got hurt. Thank God nobody got hurt. But um, it's one of those things, if you were in that audience, you never forgot. If you were on stage, you never forgot. I'm sure Jody's killing me right now for telling the story. But he just, he just lost control of the golf cart. You know, it's like you're already in a musical theater setting. Everything is live. Everything's happening in the moment. Then you add living creatures like dogs. You have a golf cart that you're driving on stage. You know, there is bound to be a moment or five where things might go awry. But everybody handled it great. The audience helped with the cart getting back up on stage. Everyone had a great laugh and we went on. And again, as long as nobody gets hurt, it's funny. If someone gets hurt, it's not funny. Okay, so since uh, things have kind of restarted, have you seen any Broadway shows? I saw a play yesterday, Dana H, with Deirdre O'Connell. Mm. It was magnificent. I've been, as you can imagine, in a lot of Broadway shows, watching musicals, plays, everything in between, off-Broadway, off-off, off-Broadway, big massive Broadway house opening night, you name it, closing night. I have never been in a theater where you could literally hear a pin drop in the audience. And it was packed. So it wasn't like, yeah. oh, it's, you know, it was half a house. It was packed. It was standing room. It was unbelievable how riveted the audience was and how brilliant it was. So uh, that was what my uh, comeback to the theater was, was Dana H yesterday. Just yesterday. Tell us something funny. Let me think. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I am a notoriously ungifted cook. I, 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 I don't know if people know this, but I, my tagline is I can't boil water. So uh, one day I thought I'm going to cook for the group of us that were on the tour uh, during my music business days during Orrin Moore and opening up for the massively successful group that we were opening up for. And they were like, you know, we were staying somewhere, we had like an overnighter, and they were like, you know, you never cook, you never want it, you know, you don't do any of the heavy lifting, and you know, I was like, it's because I like you. If I didn't like you, I would cook for you, right? So I was like, okay, okay, we're gonna do this. So I thought, how hard could it be to make scrambled eggs and toast? Well, apparently for me, it's a challenge, and I blew up the kitchen. I blew up the whole kitchen. Oh. The, the persons, because I don't know what I did. And this was many years ago, so I'm probably not as completely tragic as I was then. I think I can scramble an egg now without 
killing the kitchen. But apparently the, uh, the apartment who, uh, who were kind enough to let us stay because it was like quick overnight or whatever, years later they were still finding scrambled egg fragments on their ceilings, behind the cabinets. So yeah, uh, no one ever asked me to cook again, ever. I don't know what I had put in the skillet, but the next thing you knew it was like popcorn flying into the sky. I said, I told you if I like you, I will never cook for you. Okay, right, on to the quick fire questions. <gasps> okay. I know, are you I ready? I can't cook. There's, no. There's... <laughs> Six and a half weeks. What, no. <laughs> the search for Elle Woods. <laughs> Maddie Petties. Maddie Petty. <laughs> Who the hell is Orfe? We don't care. What? <laughs> There's seven, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions that I'm going to ask you and you okay. don't have time to think in between them. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind and we'll discuss okay. it afterwards. Are okay. you ready? Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Milk or white chocolate? Oh, milk. Orange or apple juice? Orange. Elwoods or Paulette? Oh, both. East coast or west coast? East coast. Chocolate in the fridge or cupboard? Uh, cupboard. Night or day? Night. Summer or winter? Summer. Tay or Tice? Tay. Oh. <laughs> tice is gonna kill me! Oh my god, chocolate in the cupboard? Depends. I should have said depends. What, because the... if it's cold enough in the apartment, chocolate in the cupboard. Yeah. If it's summertime, chocolate in the fridge. Well, I always have it in the fridge, but only because I feel like it tastes better when it's cold. It depends. Like Maltesers should be in the fridge. You can get away with an M&M in the cupboard. Yeah, yeah, okay, so I feel it's, that. So it's, it's dependent upon the confection. Yeah, I feel yeah. that. I can, I can agree upon that, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I believe that's the truth. Yeah, that's so true. Um, did you say milk or white? Oh, I, white chocolate is not even chocolate. No! There's, no! there's no chocolate in white chocolate. White chocolate is the best. No, no yeah. you can't. Absolutely not. I love it. Although to be fair, as long as, I, I'm starting to eat dark chocolate a lot more now. And it's like, if I feel healthy when I eat it. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, I'm a very, it, it, it has to be the right dark chocolate, Yeah, but, but white chocolate is not on the menu at all. See, I, for me, like it has to be, it can't be like a cheap dark chocolate. It has to be a nice dark chocolate. Whereas milk chocolate or white chocolate, I can kind of have like a cheap bar if I'm feeling it. Oh, no, no white. No, no, can't. I can't believe you don't it's, like white not, chocolate. No, because it's not chocolate. Human. When are you coming to London? As soon as all of this is over. I, Andy and I very much, and we're trying to work it out. We really are. Yeah. We're very much interested in doing Legally Bound in London. And oh, yes. there have been inquiries, there have been phone calls, there have been emails. We're just really working on it. We really yeah. are. So let's, you know, fingers crossed 2022, that will yeah. happen at some point. Really, that's, we're just, we're absolutely just wanting to do that so much. So. Yeah, that'd be amazing. We're, like in com I, I, we're in conversation. We're, we're in conversation. We're in I, want I want house seats and exclusive access. Yeah, don't you worry about it. You, well, you, you have all the exclusive access. Yeah. <laughs> you, 
<laughs> you need not worry a bit. You should only worry if I'm going to cook you scrambled eggs. That's the only <gasps> so thing you should worry about. I'm going to do MTV's The Search for Orfe and Andy Carl and just go there around London and be like, where are they today? Right. Just don't get anyone who's like, them. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to get surrounded people. Do you know who Orfe is? And they'll be like, no. Who's no. No. Is she married to Andy Carl? Are they really married? Are they really married? What's her last name? Exactly. <laughs> How do you pronounce her name? Is it Orfa? No. Orfe? Is it Orfe? No. <laughs> right. We have one more question. Are you ready for yes. it? Yes. Um, well, it's not so much of a question. It's more of like a statement, lol. Um, oh. I just want you to talk about a bit about um, like teaching. Obviously, you teach on Broadway Plus. Hashtag book Orfe on Broadway Plus. Broadwayplus.com slash artist slash Orfe. Um, oh talk a bit about teaching on Broadway Plus. What do you love? Um, why do you like to teach? What sort of things can people expect if they come to one of your lessons? Oh, my gosh. You know, I... Very broad. Listen, we found our, you know, we found, we stumbled upon the fact that I have this, again, unlike my cooking, I do have a gift for being able to impart wisdom. So, you know, I don't want to say I'm a great teacher, but I have a wealth of experience. I've been doing all of the things that I've been doing in the entertainment business for over half my life, well over half my life. And, um, I think that I found that I quite enjoy imparting what I've learned to others. And I'm very moved by talent and I'm very moved by passionate young people with talent. And I did not have a great many mentors, but the mentors that I had were geniuses and very, very forthright, very giving and very smart and very gifted. And if I could only be that to even one person in my whole life that maybe five, 10, 20 years from now remembers that that was what guided them in the right direction, that I may have had a small teeny part in their trajectory, in their success, in their joy with it or if they if I taught them something that they took with them for their whole lives I feel like I've done something important you know what I'm saying uh so when someone is very passionate and very you know uh motivated to do this I can only guide them in the right direction because I know where the pitfalls are you know so I just I find that I I enjoy people that really want to learn I think that's what it is. It's like if they're just there to be like, oh, I got to spend time with Orfe. It, it, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in them being like, oh my God. And like, you know, I'm interested in them really wanting to learn, really wanting to fix or really wanting to hone their craft. And if there is talent there, I believe I know how to make it better. Do you know what I'm saying? So it, I just, this, this was something we stumbled upon, you know? Yeah. Thanks to you and Tyson just constantly badgering me to do this. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and listen, I got very lucky. I got very lucky every single time we did it. We did a lot. We had a mm. lot of students during the pandemic. I got incredibly lucky. Either there's just an, an incredible amount of talent that comes your way, or I just kept getting lucky with the best students. You know, I don't know. It was a combination. But, wow, it was like, because you don't know what you're going to say if someone just has absolutely shouldn't be doing what they're doing but wow each time we knocked it out of the park with with my 
students. However yeah. brief they were my, however briefly they were my students, but I think we had a lot of repeat visitors each time. Yeah. So yeah, you know, they love coming listen, back. Listen, they love coming back, and and now they know that I can't boil water. Thank you so much, Orfe, for coming well, on here. Thank you. Thank it's you for having me. It's, it's been so long. I know. Indeed. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank Don't you. forget to go to broadwayplus.com and you can also book Orfe. She is amazing. She's a great teacher and she's very good at imparting wisdom, as she just said. Take her word for it. I really am. Just, okay. just, just don't ask her to I cook. Just, am. just don't ask me to cook, especially <laughs> not scrambled eggs and hot sauce. <laughs> oh, thank you all for listening, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you.